Hello there, and welcome to my corner. Let me start off by saying thank you, and that your listening really means a lot. I wasn't sure how this show was going to do, as I like to second guess myself, but I've been hearing a lot of feedback, and people like what I'm doing. So again, thank you. And I guess this is where I tell you to go write me a review. And although I would appreciate it, it's not a requirement. I want my reviews to be a little more organic, so if you want to, you can. It's truly up to you. What I want more is people sending me topics. I want to help dive into some of the things that keep this world moving. So if you want me to cover a topic, you can email me at waynescornerpodcast at gmail.com and you can also send me a message on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. For podcast recommendations for this week, I've got one that most of you probably already know about, or at least you've heard of, and that's Stuff You Should Know. It's one I listen to regularly and kind of draw some inspiration from. I've used their podcast for some research on topics I'm doing for the week. Josh and Chuck are writers for the How Stuff Should Work website, and they educate listeners on a wide variety of topics, often using popular culture as a reference giving the podcast the comedic value. I never paid a whole lot of attention in history class back in school, so their show has worked to help fill those gaps of information I missed out on. They really do cover everything, so if you haven't listened before, you should definitely check them out. This week I got a recommendation from Jimmy. He asked me to do cider. Jimmy is a good friend of mine, and when we hung out during Halloween weekend, I made a crockpot cider, or better known as wassail. He was a big fan of it, and thought it would be a good topic to cover on my podcast. So thank you Jimmy for the suggestion. I'm a big fan of cider. I drink it all year round, and my favorite has to be woodchuck cider, made in Vermont. It has a beaver on the label if you wanted a suggestion for a cider to try. In the early days of America, people did not drink water very often. Diseases such as typhoid fever and cholera were real threats from drinking water. Instead, hard cider was the drink of choice. Even children drank it. The alcohol in the cider killed bacteria, preventing diseases that the water could carry. Between 1800 and 1830, the average American drank 23 gallons of alcohol each year. Hard cider made up 15 of these gallons. With the exception of the wild sour crab apple, apples are not indigenous to North America. Seeds were brought into the colonies by the Puritans in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, one of the few comfort foods reminiscent of home. Apples quickly grew in popularity, growing orchards from seed rather than grafting. In growing from seed, the burgeoning colonies created hundreds of unique varieties within a relatively short period of time. Newton Pippins are one of the oldest American varieties of apples still commercially available. Coincidentally, they were also the first American variety exported from the colonies, when in 1768, a batch was sent to Benjamin Franklin while on a diplomatic mission in London. Both George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were apple enthusiasts and maintained orchards on their respective estates. Most of you have probably heard the name Johnny Appleseed. The popular image of the American legend is almost a metaphor for several generations of masculinity. A man freely wandering the countryside, spreading his seed wherever they landed. The real Johnny Appleseed was John Chapman, born in Leominster, Massachusetts of a captain of the Revolutionary War who had served under George Washington. As Chapman grew older, he became an itinerant missionary, 
Traveling the country from Pennsylvania West into Ohio and Indiana, preaching Swedenborgianism and sharing stories. Trained as an apprentice orchard man as a young man, Chapman planted apple nurseries in communities where he stopped as a way of funding his travels. He would plant the seed inside fences in the nursery to protect them from animals and livestock. He would then sell the land to a farmer. Chapman taught the farmers how to tend to the trees and how to sell the young trees to other farmers interested in starting orchards. At the turn of the 19th century, speculators and private companies were buying up huge swaths of land in the Northwest Territory, waiting for settlers to arrive. Starting in 1792, the Ohio Company of Associates made a deal with potential settlers. Anyone willing to form a permanent homestead in the wilderness beyond Ohio's first permanent settlement would be granted 100 acres of land. And to prove their homesteads to be permanent, settlers were required to plant 50 apple trees and 20 peach trees in three years, since the average apple tree took roughly 10 years to bear fruit. Chapman realized that if he can do the difficult work of planting these orchards, he could turn them around for profit to incoming frontiersmen. Chapman would advance just ahead of the settlers, cultivating orchards that he would sell to them when they arrived, and then head to more undeveloped land. Like the character that has survived to modern day, Chapman really did tote a bag full of apple seeds, and as a member of the Swedish Borgian Church, whose belief system explicitly forbade grafting, which is the act of placing a portion of one plant into a stem, root, or branch of another in such a way that the union would be formed and the partners would continue to grow. They believed this caused the plants to suffer. Chapman planted all of his orchards from seed, meaning his apples were, for the most part, unfit for eating. Despite the popular image of Johnny Appleseed taking a bite from a large red apple from one of his trees, Chapman planted cider apples, not eating apples. Cider apples made up a majority of apple varieties in the United States until the 19th and 20th century and were used to make cider liquor. Chapman died of ammonia either in 1857 or 1859 in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where he is buried now. His vast properties of apple nurseries went to his sister, many of which were foreclosed to pay taxes and settle legal debts. While a cider apple could be any apple that ends up in a cider, it's a bit more instructive to ask what a cider-specific apple variety is. Cider-specific apples are typically those apple varieties that have been cultivated specifically for making into cider, and which have certain characteristics, like high levels of acid, tannin, or sugar, which make them desirable for fermenting into cider. Also referred to as spitters due to the astringency and bitterness impacted by their tannins, these apples are typically not desirable for eating. Think of, or try, the experience of biting into a crab apple straight off the tree as an example. But in a cider, they add color, body, mouthfeel, and in the right proportion, balance to a cider that might otherwise be too thin, too sweet, or one-dimensional in flavor. Where traditional cider apples from the United Kingdom are concerned, it is the combination of acidity and tannin levels which drive them into the following categories. A variety might be called bittersweet if it has a low level of acidity and a high level of tannin, bitter sharp if it contains high levels of both, or sharp if it's high in acidity but low in tannin. These terms don't include the sugar content of the apples, though it is also an important factor in cider making as it drives the alcohol content of the finished product. Thus, while a sweet apple in categorization scheme has low tannin and low acidity, and thus not ideal in cider, 
acceptable part of a blend. The term doesn't necessarily refer to its sugar content relative to other apples. There are a few varieties of hard cider that appeal to individuals with various palates. The different types of cider are defined by their level of sweetness, and most are available either still or carbonated. Dry ciders have less than 0.5% of residual sugar and often more acidic than other types. Because the yeast consumes more of the cider's natural sugars, this less sweet drink also contains a higher alcohol content than other ciders. Most dry ciders are aged in oak barrels to complement their mineral qualities. An off-dry cider has slightly more body than its dry counterpart and typically contains 1-2% residual sugar. These ciders tend to be smoother and have a richer flavor. Semi-dry ciders contain above 2% residual sugar, while semi-sweet ciders can carry as much as 4%. These two cider types are similar in taste and have a heartier bodies and more pronounced apple flavors. Ciders are also differentiated by the fruit used in the recipes. There is no limit to what fruits you can use to make hard cider. While apples and pears are the most popular types of cider, you can use anything from plums and peaches to strawberries and pineapples. Another one of my favorites is from Ace Cider. They make a really good pineapple cider. Check it out. You're probably asking, what happened to cider? It doesn't seem to be that popular. Well, during the Civil War, women took control of the farms and businesses as their fathers, husbands, and brothers went off to fight. Many also significantly aided in a war effort for the first time in American history. When everyone returned from the war, the men expected their wives to go back to their old roles and give up their independence. In addition, the men came back different. They suffered what we know now as post-traumatic stress. But at the time, nobody knew what that was. Many men came back violent, and they tried to forget what they saw by drinking more hard cider and other alcohol. The drinking, plus the PTSD, helped fuel domestic violence. After being independent during the Civil War, often for the first time in their lives, the women whose husbands came back realized that they had the power to change their circumstances. They rekindled the temperance movement to end drinking. They held rallies and protests. They chanted sayings such as, No lips that touch alcohol shall touch mine. The temperance movement, strengthened after the Civil War, was the first death kneel for the hard cider. The second death kneel was immigration. Elm Creek Park Preserve was settled in the late 1850s by homesteaders, largely from Switzerland, Germany, and Poland. And while hard cider was an English drink, these immigrants preferred beer. If you are continually moving west, there is no time to wait for an apple tree to mature, as it takes up to 10 years for an apple tree to grow and mature enough to bear apples, whereas it takes a year to clear farmland and grow the wheat, barley, and hops needed for beer. Eventually, prohibition was made law of the land, but it was a law passed by the members of the temperance movement. It was not a law wanted by all the new citizens from Germany, Switzerland, Ireland, or Poland who preferred to drink beer. Therefore, people kept making beer, even though it was illegal. On the other side, apple orchards were cut down and burned. Before Prohibition, apples were largely used for hard cider and baking. Apple growers, who literally saw their future go up in flames, invented phrases like an apple a day keeps the doctor away, 
to encourage people to start eating apples. Sweeter apples, more suitable for eating, were developed and planted. By the end of Prohibition, the only apples left were those for eating, not for making hard cider. And thus, beer became the drink of choice, and the resource needed to make hard cider, cider apples, had been completely destroyed. New orchards planted after Prohibition were planted with sweet apples for eating. In fact, several were planted on the land that eventually became Elm Creek Park Reserve. The Civil War, temperance movement, immigration, and prohibition resulted in hard cider going from the most popular drink in America to a special treat we drink unfermented in the fall. This impact is seen when you go to the grocery store and see all the apples ready to be eaten, an adaption by apple growers to survive prohibition. Today, hard cider has gained popularity, and people are trying to develop cider apples again. Though it's still far from its old place as the king of drinks, it always amazes me how much history is in a sip of apple cider. So next time you try a sip of cider, whether alcoholic or not, think about the wars, social movements, and the immigrations that have shaped your cider. And that's my fun fact. Thanks for walking over.